welcome to the Rob Burgess Show. I am, of course, your host, Rob Burgess. On this, our 199th episode, our guest is Eugene Smith. Eugene Smith was born in 1957 in Detroit, Michigan, and grew up in Fresno, California. He was working in Georgetown, Guiana, for People's Temple on November 18, 1978, when he lost his mother, wife, and infant son in the mass murder-suicide at Jonestown. Repatriated by the U.S. authorities on New Year's Eve, he broke a $50 bill stashed in his shoe to buy breakfast for himself and a fellow survivor. Returning to California at age 21, Smith faced the daunting challenge of building from scratch a meaningful and self-sufficient life in the American society he thought he had left behind. He retired in 2015 after 22 years' service with the California Department of Transportation. He lives in the Bay Area. On May 21, 2021, Smith's book, Back to the World, A Life After Jonestown, was published by Texas Christian University Press. A quick programming note. As I mentioned in the episode, I was a reporter for the Ukiah Daily Journal from 2007 to 2009. During that time, I had also had a chance to interview fellow Jonestown survivor Tracy Diaz, formerly known as Tracy Parks. For a link to that story, check the show notes. I also had a chance to interview Rebecca Moore for that story. Rebecca Moore lost two sisters in Jonestown and is now Professor Emerita of Religious Studies at San Diego State University. With her husband, Fielding McGeehee III, she co-manages the website Alternative Considerations of Jonestown and People's Temple. She was instrumental in providing context for that 2008 article and connecting me with Eugene Smith for this episode. Thank you again. Anyone who is even remotely interested in the good, bad, and otherwise of People's Temple is encouraged to visit their website. It is truly a valuable historical resource. Finally, I want to thank Tracy Diaz and Eugene Smith for taking the time to share their stories with me over the years. And now, on to the show. Again, thank you for making the time. Uh, I, uh, congratulations on the book. Uh, it's, thank you. It's very well done. Um, I thought it it was an important perspective that, like you pointed out, we haven't heard before. Um, and it isn't just about what happened and all the parts everyone knows. It's about what happens, how how does life go on, and how does it not go on, you know? And that's that's really a, a tale that we don't hear as much of. And I think that was an important piece of the story. So I'm glad that got included. Excellent. Right. Thank you. Yeah. No problem. But what was it? Uh, what was it like to work? Um, with a co-writer, an editor, a collaborator on the story, because I mean, this is this is some super personal stuff, and you know, this is someone else you're, you're entrusting a lot to a person if you're co-writing a story like this, I imagine. Well, <laughs> it, it 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 was different in the sense that I, I wanted someone who had been in war zones before, mm. or someone who had done who had been either a reporter or have lived in in countries that were that were black. And or and or Africa itself, um, and the reason I wanted a, a war correspondent, so to speak, was because I didn't need anybody being shocked when I'm walking them through a story. Mm-hmm. I need them just to move on because them being, I respond to, hey, it's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. I didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. I want them to just write it as if it's, it's a normal day. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of interpreting what I'm saying. So that was, after that, it, it wasn't that, that difficult. 
um, mm-hmm. in, in that sense. It was difficult in other ways in terms of reliving the incidents. Mm-hmm. Um, going back and looking at my FBI file, because um, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's a whole ten years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so those things were, were difficult for me. Oh yeah, no doubt. I can I can only imagine. Um but your uh, I read your writing too uh on uh the Jonestown Institute website and um yeah, I see how you're you're a very like um you like I told you you're a very kind of lyrical, poetic. You give you're very rich in detail. I can see how I'm I'm an editor in my day job. I'm a newspaper editor, so I understand the the utility of someone being able to to put things in a in an in an order or in a fashion, but you definitely provide the like the here and the now and the and the what's happening of it. So I think uh, your style is, is very. I, I it was easy to read, and uh, I can I can also see how an editor uh, would help put that in in an order. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. What was it like in general? Just to like you mentioned, it was hard in in other ways and reliving things, but. You weren't you weren't somebody that talked about this in public at all, from what I understand. For this was just not a part of your life. You shared with uh, very many people, so uh, that was like you, like you were probably were thinking about things you had just put out of your mind. I imagine for a long time, so that that was probably very difficult. Correct. Mm-hmm. It, um, I I always took notes, even after mm. I got back. I just, Took notes, just just random notes. That's important. But I, always, but, I but I kept them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. There were no there were no particular order. Whatever that that incident was for that day or that flashback was, I'd be sure to write it down and note and note it. And so over a period of a couple of decades, um, compiling all of that gets 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 strange, mm-hmm. and it, it leads you to other scenarios, mm-hmm. such as like. Like in the book, there's only 15 pages of that FBI file or the FOIA file, excuse me. The, the, the original document is 364 pages. <laughs> I read that, yeah. <laughs> that was probably, you know, that was probably an interesting day when you, the first time you cracked that old FBI file open. <laughs> wow. Yes, <it> was. <laughs> I'll bet. I'll bet. Wow. Yeah. Really? People, people that are listening, you get all, you, this guy has his own FBI file in the back of the book. How many books can give you that? None. <laughs> Never read a book like that before. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, the th- and the thing is, I wanted people to, there's a couple of ways, I wanted people to, to understand that mistakes are made and mistakes can be made, but there are also abuses. And and, and sometimes there's a fine line be- between the two, depending on what the threat is. Mm. Uh, coming back to the U.S., I and or some of us were considered threats. Right. So the the level of attention was much higher than it would be for a regular mem- member of a church, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, so I had to take that into account also. Mm-hmm. And the reason for the reason for putting the FBI file in there, or those 15 pages, was so people would read that. In fact, <laughs> my instructions for reading the book, if you want to hear them, mm-hmm. 
is you read the FBI file first. Mm. And if you really do that, you need to see me through their eyes mm. while I'm telling you what's happening to me at that moment. Right. Yeah. Um, that, that takes on a whole nother perspective in terms of how you read the book and certain things that you retain about or certain chapters you retain. Mm-hmm. When you read it from cover to cover, it it reads fairly fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some moments uh, moments of exhalation as well as moments of oh my no more you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but by reading that, it's almost like there's a certain bias you end up with, good, bad, or indifferent at the end of the book. Mm. Having, if you read the FBI file first, those biases are erased. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, I I totally didn't do it that way. I read it from cover to cover. I, I guess I did it wrong. Uh, <laughs> I'll have to go. I, you know what? I'll do it in reverse this time. Although I read the whole thing now, I don't even know if it would work. <laughs> Maybe it's too late for me. People that are listening can still do that, I suppose. But, but absolutely. Uh, but that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, if if we could, though, I'd, I'd like to go back to uh, the very beginning of the story for you. And uh, that goes back to your mother and and how she was you would describe her as kind of a spiritual seeker. You know, somebody that that was very she, she went to a lot of different kind of churches. She sought out a lot of different communities, I guess, before she settled on one. Um, can you talk about that and also like faith healing? Because that I grew up Episcopalian, so I don't have any concept of a faith healing in any sense. So uh, can you talk a little bit about your history in that respect? Sure. Um, I was introduced to Catholicism, mm-hmm. Baptist, Seventh-day Adventist, Jehovah's Witness, non-denominational, um, obviously people's temple socialism to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not quite sure what my mother was searching for other than comfort, now that I think back at it. Mm -hmm. Um, The comfort to know that that there was someone that would protect her outside of herself. Uh, That that holy being or beings, whatever they are, they, he, she might be, would protect her and those under her care, me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that she wanted me to have a religious foundation, but she gave me enough freedom to make a choice. Mm. Now that choice wasn't until seventh grade, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I was, still, I was still allowed to make it. Um, <laughs> I see. Up, in, up until f- between first grade and, and birth, there was the... Um, Mr. Franklin's church in Detroit, um, Reverend Lofton. Some and you were speaking of Aretha, Aretha Franklin's father there, C.L. Franklin? Yes, correct. Right, right. Um, and so there were a multitude of, of, of different aspects of religion within mm-hmm. months of my birth. Um, and then married, I became a Seventh-day Adventist in first grade, mm. or just prior to first grade. And children are comfortable in whatever environment they're in until they see something different or they grow up. 
<laughs> and look back at it. Mm-hmm. Um, the Seventh Day at Venice, what I appreciated about it was that you were always being challenged, not in a religious sense, but in the sense of you must learn. Mm-hmm. You must know how to read. You must know how to write. Um, it used to be reading, writing, and arithmetic. The new math hadn't came out yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Um, they, they, you know, we said prayers in class. We saluted the flag, but religion wasn't so much. It it took a second seat to education. Mm. It just complemented your education. Hmm. You weren't being indoctrinated. At least that was my my experience as being a Seventh-day Adventist. Um, however, there was the white Seventh-day Adventist church, mm. and there was the black Seventh-day Adventist church. Mm-hmm. But but then I reflect back, whatever is your normal as a child is your normal. Yeah. Until, until you see something different or you, you reflect. Of course. And I had no concept of races you know not until like seventh grade Hmm. um i just didn't um it wasn't harped on it wasn't talked about it just wasn't it wasn't something that was very important i wasn't in an environment where my color ethnicity made a difference um in in terms of in terms of people's temple i think she saw that as a safe haven for me Mm mm-hmm only because I think I was stretching her limitations in terms of my interest, in terms of my curiosity, mm. in terms of my wanting to know more about the world, mm-hmm. not not just this city, this 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 county, this state, this 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 continent, but the world. I, I want to know about it. Mm-hmm. And even though she taught me to read, and I was reading in kindergarten, she only went to the third grade formally. I think I was stretching her limitations and she saw people simple as a safe haven in the sense that there were enough things there to, to pique my curiosity and enough to keep me interested. And it still had enough religion to 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 like hopefully he'll be okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he doesn't have to pray every day, but he needs to believe, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, I get that. <laughs> that makes sense. That's how mothers are, you know, for me, it was a candy box in in the sense that, wow, let me see, there's construction, there's a wood shop, there's Mm -hmm. electronics, there's there's a photography lab. I could take a sermon or two. Absolutely. (laughs) 100%. But, um, and this is in, you're in Fresno at this point, right? Yes, Fresno, California. Gotcha. And so... What year is it that you first encounter Jim Jones in People's Temple? Is this uh, 70? Is it 73? Is that right? 72, uh, going from ninth, from ninth grade to high school. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and my mom basically said, you need to go listen to him. You might find him interesting. Hmm. And, and to a certain sense, he was, but he was actually less interesting than the other young people I saw. On my age, how engaged they were. Mm-hmm. They seemed very focused. The conversations were sharp and precise. Mm-hmm. Um, they seemed to have a certain amount of intelligence that was just naturally bright. Mm-hmm. And, and some learned. 
Mm-hmm. They're both equal with me, but I, I just noticed that about, about certain folks. Um, they weren't shy. They weren't. They weren't using the most recent vernacular. Mm. Uh, they were using standard English Mm. which I was appreciative of because I'd been teased because that's what I used Um, (laughs) so so that again was was an environment that was rich for me Um, right so that piqued my interest enough to take a trip up there Mm -hmm. you're talking about to Redwood Valley at this point correct Right, right, right. Now, I have to stop the story here and tell people that I lived in Ukiah from 2007 to 2010, (laughs) and I worked at the Ukiah Daily Journal as a reporter, and um, (laughs) I'm just, uh, for my own sake, interested. Uh, Yeah, I know, I know. I'm curious just to know, you didn't spend a whole lot of time in Redwood Valley. You you mostly went from Fresno to San uh, San Francisco, mostly, right? That's That was your migration, but... You did, I guess, spend a summer in in Ukiah. Is that correct? Part of a summer. Part of a summer, right? And what year was that? <laughs> right, right. There's a. That there's, was, it ended pretty that quickly was, that from whatever. That, <laughs> that was that, that was that was seventy seventy two going into my first year of high school. Like in, in those days, ninth grade was still junior high. Right, right, right. Okay, gotcha. Okay. So that and, was a, uh, that was a summer of seventy two. Yeah. I'm just interested, what was uh, your impression of Ukiah and Mendocino County in general at that time? I just, I just, I, I'm curious just to know what it was like back then. Well, you had the, uh, um, oh, they made plywood there, plywood and laminate. Uh, uh, masonite. Yes. So that was a really big employer. Uh, we were a big fish in a small pond in terms of having the 12 Greyhound buses. Mm-hmm. Traveling you know, down State Street and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> for some, for a lot of folks, I think they considered the temple a really viable threat. Mm. A threat into the sense, in in, in the sense that they're going to change. They're going to change the way we are here. Okay, because I, I was always wondering how much of that was real and how much of that was Jim Jones invention or trumping up or you know like maybe it was there but he made it more than it was uh no no you think it what you think it was the hostility was there from, he, from perspective. He, not to support him in any manner whatsoever mm-hmm. but that could have been embellished in terms of how they felt about us mm-hmm. um and and in some cases they made that very well known mm. okay and it it was an area that wasn't, I wouldn't go so far as calling it a sundown city. Mm, okay. But I'd go, to far as, I'd go to far as to say it might have been sundown for other folks that weren't part of the temple. Mm. But you guys rolled it as one, as a group, so they were less right. maybe likely to. Well, and that's, I think that's an important point because you bring that up in the book and that if you, it, it was like, if you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. And that's, that's appealing to people that are otherwise not, you know, if they're caught out alone, they might not have that kind of protection. That's correct. That's that's major. And and the thing, and the thing is people's temple could be a threat on so many levels, physical being the very last. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is you, you had, you had teachers, 
you had academics, mm-hmm. you had PhDs, you had people with master degrees, you, you, you had people who worked for the coroner, the coroner department, mm-hmm. you had ex-police officers, you had former gang members, um, you had you had people that were politically connected, mm-hmm. you you had folks that were on so many levels that threat there was no reason to be physical right and there was there was a whole team of attorneys <laughs> mhm so it that that goes a long way mhm in knowing that there's no end to how they're going to fund these attorneys cuz they will be funded no matter what you put out as the adversary mm-hmm. right because I have a meeting every, every Saturday and Sunday, and I'll take my donations and I will fight you on Monday. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you, you mentioned this uh, now and also in the book. Uh, there's some there's some pretty bright people in this in this group. Um, there are people that, you know, and, and as, as I told you, that was kind of the connection I've drawn with the more I've learned about uh, people's temple in general is that. Uh, the concern about, you know, social, racial, uh, class, uh, justice, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm not a communist, of course, but uh, I, I'm not I'm not going to go that far. But uh, I, you know, that's that's in my wheelhouse. That's what I believe. I believe in all that kind of stuff. And and in, in, in that respect, I can see what the appeal would be in that and obviously a lot of uh kind of uh you know powerful politicians as you mentioned agreed you know they're <laughs> harvey george moscone uh rosalind carter the list goes on you know and it's uh you know you got the president flying in he's flying in on air force one and he wants to speak to jim jones mm-hmm. it's like, right so whatever the idiosyncrasies might have been things like that normalized it mm-hmm mm-hmm no matter what you were seeing, certain that, 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 that that's not supposed to happen. That shouldn't be happening. But, but hold on, mm-hmm. I have this. <laughs> you know, it's it, it was it was a um, I'm looking for a word. I think the word is didactic. Mm. It, it was so opposite, you know. Um, right. It, extreme in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that uh, after this happened were like, kind of like, oh, my gosh, no, don't make eye contact. Don't please no one remember that I was like in the front row at that one thing, please. <laughs> and then never talked about it again, you know. <laughs> exactly. 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 Yeah. Uh, I, I was watching that uh, panel that you were on uh, on uh, uh, C-SPAN, uh, the, that thing. And uh, mm-hmm. I forget what his name was, the other uh, survivor that was there. Uh, he oh, mentioned John that. Todd. Yeah, yeah. He said he was out in San Francisco one day and he just saw like Willie Brown and Willie Brown was like, hey, how's it going? And then he like went off as if as if nothing happened in between that time. And this was after everything happened. It was like afterwards in, in San Francisco. It's like, hey, buddy, good to see you. Go go on about my day. <laughs> do, do, do. Right, gotta go. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Gotta be somewhere else. I gotta see a man about a thing. <laughs> but like nothing happened. Yeah. Uh, but they but they helped legitimize it for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely. hundred percent. And the other thing is your typical American doesn't realize there's some really simple things that we take for granted that are so, that are socialist inspired. Um, oh, yeah. Such as health care, social security. Mm-hmm. It hasn't it hasn't always been there. No. 
we had we had to grow as a country to understand that well not everybody gets the same chance and they they should have a comfortable life afterwards yeah um after, after working 30 or 40 years mm-hmm. um and there's a so 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 when americans say they don't, they don't they don't believe in socialism it's like well you need to look at yourself first said so it might be aspects of socialism you don't agree with and that's fine i'm with you on that but the third the third you know, throw the bathwater out. It makes no mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Throw the baby out with the bathwater. Excuse me. Right. Absolutely. Um, As you say, I'm lyrical. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Man, you're just so. To me, I'm 38 now, and uh, you know, when I was the ages that you're talking about in this book, you're you're a late teenager, early young adult. I thought I was so old at that age and, you know, I, I see kids that age now and I'm just like, they just look like infants to me. <laughs> like they don't look like adults. And I felt so old at that time. And, uh, it's just, it's just amazing, uh, to think all this happened to you at, at such a young age. And, and, uh, and after all this happened too, you, you had a whole life to live after that. And, 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 and as you say, this whole, this whole, uh, move to Guyana kind of comes out of nowhere for you, right? After you, you'd gotten married, and your 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 wife is pregnant now, and now it's like off to Guyana, I guess. And this was uh, just one day, right? They they just they just sprung this on you, I assume. Not exactly. No, you were that, more like, more, more like yeah, more like a few days. <laughs> oh, okay. It, 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 it's it's as if like you'd be working in a temple, and then somebody like, hey, Jim, let me speak to you. What's up? Yo, mm-hmm. man, your ticket. Like, what do you mean? You're gonna be going in, you know. You're gonna be going in the next amount of days. Mm. Oh. Oh. All right. Well. <laughs> okay. Mm. <laughs> it wasn't a surprise that Ollie went. I think the surprise was is that it actually happened. Mm. And I, I know that sounds conflicting, but it's really not. Um, my assumption was is that we'd we'd go together. Mm. Meaning that she'll be going. Mm-hmm. Uh, knowing that she was going before me put me on red alert from then on. <laughs> I was not mm. a nice guy around for, mm-hmm. <laughs> for, for a few for a few weeks there. I was not not very good. Right. Um but like I say in the book, um I was lucky enough to have folks that were my protectors oh yeah i definitely wanted to talk to you about that because uh jack beam is somebody that you highlight as someone that kind of served in that role would would you say yeah absolutely right uh and now he he produced uh the music right he was a for the group or the temple is that right that's actually jack beam jr his his son left early on okay because i have a uh, an album of people's temple that i found at a goodwill in ukiah i think he i guess it's, it would be his son that produced that mm-hmm. uh, right okay so you're talking about his father gotcha okay. right jack beam senior used to work at ukiah motors i believe interesting okay <laughs> gotcha <laughs> wow okay <laughs> last from the past all right your wife was also musical right she was uh what did she play an instrument did she sing she sung. She sung. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Originally, she sung gospel with her family. Uh, when her family joined the temple, 
they as a family didn't sing together very often. And Ollie became a solo artist at that point. And then when they um, when they left, obviously she was by herself. And so she would she would do solos. Mm. But you one de- one detail in the book that I really couldn't get over is that you had 365 cassette tapes that you took to Jonestown Correct. with you, and they they took them right away from you right away, huh? Exactly. That's that hard. I'm, I'm, I'm a music lover, and that that breaks my heart because I I would do exactly the same thing. <laughs> That's exactly the thing I would do. <laughs> what did you have? I'm so curious. What did you have on those tapes? What kind of music? I had the Last Poets. I had Gil Scott Heron. Wow. I had the Watts Prophets. I had James Brown. I had John Coltrane. Mm. Um. Sonny Liston Smith, no, not Sonny Liston Smith, but um, Sonny Rollins um, had some uh, had some African artists on, to, on there too. Sun Ra, mm. um, and then a cat naturally cool in the gang. Uh, the Stylistics, Tavares, um, some Supremes, Gladys Knight, Aretha Franklin, uh, the Fifth Dimension. John Coltrane, um, Thelonious Monk, mm. uh, Dizzy Gillespie, Lambert Hendricks and Ross, mm. uh, Lambert, Lambert Hendricks on his own, Annie Ross on her own. Yeah, because I was into, uh, um, I've always been into vocalization and, and rhythm mm. and rhyme, and <laughs> I I liked I liked poems put to music, which is what Gil Scott did. Oh yeah. Uh, I also like I also like war, war being declared in a poetic manner, which is what the uh, the last poets did. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but also there's you know there's Thelonious. Mm. He was just as radical. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I reached as many spectrums as I possibly could. I had a lot of Latino music, uh, definitely Santana. Mm. Um, Oh, let's see. Aerto, A-I-R-T-O. Mm. Um, wow. Oh, yeah. Well, back to, to America, Tower of Power, of course. Mm. <laughs> I mean, they were... T- oh, Grover Washington Jr. Oh, I was uh, just Earth, listening to him the other day. Yeah, yeah he's Earth, great. Earth, Wind, and Fire. Ooh. Um, you know, and the list goes on. <laughs> That's a rad list. Somebody should write that down. That's a... <laughs> 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 man, man, man. In the well, Commodores. <laughs> nice. Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> That's incredible. So I I, I want to know what, what your impressions of, of Jonestown were initially, because I'm sure there were aspects to it that, that were good. I mean, you got to see your family, how, however, you know, maybe not, well, they might be looking in some ways. You're, you're with the people you haven't seen for a long time. Uh, that that's got to be good. Did you did you want to leave right away? Um, did you think you could make it work there for at least a little while? What what was your initial impressions? I mean, of course, you're you're really mad about losing all the all the music, I'm sure. But uh, beyond yeah. that, I guess. Well, you know, it's in I, I pretty much described that moment. Right. You know, my first couple hours, and somebody's getting their ass whipped up up front. Yeah. And and it's so dark coming into coming into Jonestown 
when you look to the side of the headlights, you can see nothing. You can, you can't see anything. So even though I know I knew the jungle was there, I couldn't see it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm there, and all I, all I got is a pocket knife, mm-hmm. and I don't know where I'm at. Uh, I'm not even quite sure what direction I'm pointing now because I, I I don't know if it was overcast or what that night, but I, I remember I must I don't know I, I couldn't see the moon, so I couldn't get my directions down. I was completely lost. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it goes into a white night after we've been there or listening to sermons for a couple hours. Mm-hmm. You know, like can I use expletives on your program? Do whatever you need to do. You know, like, what the fuck is a white knight? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who's under attack? Right. For what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Again, I got a pocket knife. You know? Yeah. So. I'm yeah, really... even if they are coming, what am I going to do exactly? Like. <laughs> <laughs> And I've been on the water for 24 hours, and I still got my sea legs, you know. Yeah. Um. And so I, so at that point, it's like, oh yeah, well, it's, yeah, it's time, yeah, it's time to get out of here. But I looked over at Ollie, mm-hmm. and she was eight plus months pregnant. Oh, so there's no, way, there's yeah. no way, even if I knew my way, I couldn't run her through the jungle no. like that. No. Um. And so that was, well, anyway. That that was that was a moment of panic mm-hmm. or controlled controlled madness. Yeah, a little bit of a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, yeah. Well, I you most people that came to Jonestown had to do a certain like wasn't it thirty days of uh, labor in the fields or something when you first got there before correct. you could do anything else. But you managed correct. to not do that and you mentioned and i actually wanted to mention this earlier you mentioned several times in the book um that you that you didn't let them punish you in the way other people did that you drew lines in the sand with people and said i you're not going to do this um how did you assert your individualism in that much of a collective setting Uh, i know you said you had protectors but i mean i imagine you were pretty uh Uh, you know know, it's it's that that was a simple one (laughs) Um, I've I've never I've never been behind bars in terms of being held Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've visited folks behind bars you know Mm -hmm. and knock on wood that I'll never have to be behind them right Um, but you have to make yourself known no matter what environment you're in Mm -hmm. if you're if you're in an academic environment you you excel Mm-hmm. If you're in a sp- sports environment, you outrun, you outthrow, you, you outpoint. Mm-hmm. When you're in a movement, you have to create a environment around you that makes it less than comfortable for them to challenge you. Mm-hmm. And when they do challenge you, there is no limit in terms of that's enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you've exhibited that and 
I get the feeling you're trying to get to where I'm, in the book where I'm in Mexico with with the temple and. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, that's a that's a good example. Yeah. So so anyway, so yeah, I I, I punched Stephen Jones in the chest. Yeah. Um, and because like yeah, we know we're doing this, you're gonna do it with us, and he says, "Do you know who I am?" No, it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. But that that set up the remainder of my journey mm. because when I moved into the temple, I was put in charge of the construction crew. Uh-huh. Jack Jack Beam did that, right? And allowed me to create a crew. Mm. Um, and that that was in. Now I remember we're all kids. We're like set, you know, they're they're sixteen, exactly. I'm eighteen, mm-hmm. etc. And those two years were like a were like a decade. It's it's like between ninth grade and twelfth grade. It's a mm. lifetime between those, between those four years or three right. years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was asserting my power in, in the mm-hmm. sense that I control a crew. And if my if one of my one if one of my crew go on the floor, we all go on the floor together. Mm-hmm. And I didn't allow them to be challenged. Mm-hmm. And by doing that. The game was you had to have you had you want to have commendations at, at the at the Saturday night meetings, but it's public. Oh, thank mm-hmm. you for doing this. Thank you for doing that. It's like, and we got those. Mm-hmm. So that put me in a position to not be a bully, but it put me in a position never to be bullied. And by going, if you're gonna you're gonna punch out the leader's son. Only person left for you to punch out is the leader himself. Mm. Right. Well. Uh, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Absolutely. Hundred percent. Yeah, it is interesting in the book how you talk about how uh, that that scene that you describe because uh, it's like uh, you mentioned this in the book. It's like people like uh, think, oh, it was all one happy family. It's very flattening. Time is very flattening. But it's like you had these rival uh, cliques, and and you thought uh, you thought the Jones boys were stuck up, right? They were. Well, I thought I felt they were, I felt they were spoiled and a bit privileged. Yeah, and there you were, go. It didn't seem very. Um, obliged to mingle with the peasants mm, now right. that was that was an observation based on me being there a year or so huh. whereas they were raised in it sure so i didn't know what their dynamics were but their dynamics whenever i didn't really care about that dynamics unless they impacted me and mine sure and then that was that was the conflict i see gotcha <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, but you, you asserted yourself, uh, you're a hard worker. And I, I do think that's one thing that, that I do admire about the book is that even though that this was, this entire experience was, was very traumatic, uh, you, man, you managed to take away positive lessons for the rest of your life. And, and kind of what you were talking about there is your philosophy of, of working hard and, and stepping up and doing what other people don't. Uh, and, you know, I, that was definitely something I'm sure that was encouraged in, in, in people's temple and, and probably served you well, I imagine, uh, in the years after. Right. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because it, I learned a lot of things because people's temple was always politicized. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that was always the topic of conversation. So gro- not growing up, but being in the temple for those few years. Mm hmm. 
you learn politics. Mm. <laughs> and there's no such thing. Well, I shouldn't say that. Politics, politics can be dirty. Mm-hmm. They can be really dirty or somewhat dirty, but mm. they're dirty in the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and PT, PT allowed you to observe that. Mm. But anyway, getting getting back to where we were uh, in the in the timeline here, you went to uh, you were in Georgetown. Your son is born. How long how long from the time you get there to the time that off to Georgetown to work uh, in the customs. How long? Um, four months, and mm. then after that, I was in Georgetown from August until the incident. Gotcha. Okay. Because were you trying to get to Georgetown? Were you tr- were you angling for a position like that? Because obviously, you're good with organization and and logistics at this point. So. Was no. it that you, that someone, that, no, they just told you. No. In fact, no? I was trying to stay away, from, I was trying to stay away from Georgetown and not even be interested in it and focus on getting Martin to where I could take him through to take him out. Mm. Um, but once they said that uh, the prime minister is going to be having this and that in Georgetown, in that the basketball team would be coming into Georgetown, would be going into Georgetown at that time to play the uh, to play the international team, and mm. they wanted they wanted Ollie to sing, and it's like perfect, hmm. perfect. Where where were you where were you planning to go if if you were going to meet up with her and then and go like, what was your plan? Um, my issue was my my issue was to. <laughs> <laughs> just walk off, off the stage walk you know she walks off the stage she walks back mm. leave the building and we go to an embassy mm. that's it gotcha. it, wasn't, it wasn't complicated okay <laughs> all right you know? I didn't know you had a final <laughs> destination just anywhere i guess you gotcha. know, it, it was, and, and 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 the thing is whatever pt was there were there were certain lapses within the temple itself um, in terms of foresight and forethought, mm-hmm. uh, but that's only after looking back at it versus being in it at the time. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in what you wrote about Congressman Ryan. You think the timing of the trip was obviously n- not ideal. Maybe if he had held off or done it in a different way, it it might not have gone down like it did. What's what's your thoughts on that? No. No matter when that trip happened, it would have been a bad time. Gotcha. Okay, so it wasn't because it happened then. It was just maybe bad for for you personally because you had this right plan. for me personally. Right, right, right. It was okay. bad time. Gotcha. Because gotcha. had he not came okay. in, he not came into town, uh-huh. Ollie would not have been held back in town with the other entertainers to entertain him. Mm-hmm. They were already they would have already left, and I, I might see. have been on the plane with him going back to the U.S. Right. <laughs> right. 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 Um. But yeah, so so this is this is pretty much where the book picks up right at the beginning, and, and starts right with this day, and and you're at the movies, and and it all just seems like such a whirlwind. You you go back to Lamaha, am I saying that right? Yeah, Lamaha Garden. It's like Yamaha with a L. Okay, gotcha. 
llama hide. Yeah, got it. Uh, and then you see what happened there, and then you're you're taken into custody, right? You're 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 put in in this guy in his jail, which just sounds horrific. Um, and then uh, not, not, yeah, not not, not quite. Not um, quite. I was I, I, Stephen was put in jail. Stephen was put in jail. Um, Stephen Jones. And, He's on the basketball uh, team. Yeah. Right. Right. And and I think um, Chuck Bikeman later on, mm-hmm. uh, all they did was inter- they interrogated us at the house, but they interrogated us over a couple of days. I see. Okay. And at what point, because, I mean, you say that, is it Odell Roberts that said you were the one that was going to be on this quote unquote hit squad and they need to like watch out for you? Is he is that the o- source of that story or that information? To yes, the, Odell, to Odell Odell Rhodes. Rhodes, excuse me. Yes, Rhodes. Yeah. Um, and uh, so he he provided that information. You have a you have a, a very memorable scene later in the book where someone <laughs> knows both of you apparently and is like, oh, I know someone else from People's Temple and, and you, they have this awkward meeting later on <laughs> in life and you have to pretend like you're like, oh, okay, hi, how are you? <laughs> like uh, Later on, and I'm sure that was very strange uh, all that time later, but uh, but anyway, he's he at the time was was the source of that information to, to them and that's why they perceived you at that time as to be a threat. Right. He said okay. he had, he had, had overheard Stephen give me instructions Instructions and, mm. and and it's like well I haven't been there in since August mm-hmm. this is November mm-hmm. uh, the basketball team just came in um, a week or so ago two weeks ago so what did you hear since you're still in Jonestown mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. but, and so I mean at 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 if agents had done their due diligence they would have seen the timeline didn't connect. Mm-hmm. But they weren't. They were They were. They were in panic mode, somewhat like the insurrection at the Capitol. Mm. Right. Well, they think they're. Yeah, I think they're going to lose everything. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a certain, a certain irony to that, in 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 a certain irony and a certain resemblance. So. Mm-hmm. Right. Everybody was panicking. Uh huh. And then. All the all the alphabet agencies, you know, they had responsibility to protect those individuals and or families that they were responsible for. And it's what you flying them back to the U.S. Mm. <laughs> right. Are you crazy. <laughs> so. Another detail that I love from your book is uh, that they made you. I don't I don't love this. This is obviously super annoying, but <laughs> but it's it's a good detail for the story in that uh, they made you pay the three hundred dollars like 20 years later for the, sh- the <laughs> flight from some city to some city and it's like yeah, oh from, well th- from, wow from thanks New for <laughs> that <laughs> like when, when the u.s government flies you back from a foreign country they're responsible they fly you back to to the u.s mm-hmm. wherever you land at that's the end of their responsibility wow you owe them after that so they landed in new york so we could be interrogated and I had to pay from from the, from the from New York to L.A. And I'm thinking three hundred dollars in 1979. I mean, 1978. Yeah. That's a pretty pricey flight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's first class right there. If anything. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. Uh, but but you're but 
after this too, the as you put it, the alphabet agencies they let you know that they're not done watching you for quite some time. But yeah, they they like came to your workplace, right? They they made their presence yeah. known. I mean, yeah, they made the presence known a long like, time after, right? Not just in the immediate term. Well, that was a that was like that was probably like a maybe six weeks after. Hmm. Okay. Uh, um, I see. And then um, because yeah, because I was still I was still in L.A. for all intents and purposes at that time. Uh-huh. And so yeah, we just wanted to speak to you, Jane. <laughs> really. <laughs> um, but yeah, they they made this stuff known, and and you got to remember the technology in the late seventies and early eighties is nothing like we have now mm-hmm. in terms of monitoring. Which what I'm, and that's a that's a long long way of saying that there was more physical monitoring. Mm-hmm. In, which now would be electronic monitoring. Sure. It's very analog. Like, <laughs> they'd literally right. be outside your house. <laughs> right, exactly. Turn that boom mic on. Right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so so they, they're they watching you. And I'm sure that there was just an era, era of uh, a panic, too, because the, the hits just keep on coming, uh, you know, with Mike Prokes and, and uh, uh, what, what, Jeannie Mills. <laughs> Chris uh, yeah. Lewis getting assassinated, right? Um, uh, multiple arrests, and just—I mean, <laughs> you know—it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's weird and it's strange, but it's people were just—it weren't that they were acting out; they were just tired of not being able to react mm. because society. Society never never gave us a moment to just give us a moment, okay? Because mm-hmm. we can't respond to you, so all we can do is react to what's happened to us, and we weren't even given that privilege. Oh yeah, well you describe in the book uh, first coming back to America in the airport, and there's just people on all sides just just yelling at you for no reason. Like right. you you survived, shouldn't they be happy if they're this upset about the people that, that didn't make it? Like, a couple people made it, see? <laughs> like, <laughs> and it's like, no, I wasn't there. Like, just, <laughs> like, I wasn't there. Right, right, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, okay, well, all right, well, that's how it goes. Yeah, so, yeah. I, so, I, so I faced it and carried on. You, you certainly did. And, and you know, I, I have to just, um, again, commend you for, you know, just saying, look, I, I still have a life to live and I'm not going to let this stop me from, you know, going forward in my life. And you you found the strength to to carry on and and, and thrive uh, through through your own perseverance and hard work and and, and single mindedness. And it just seems like it's it's such a inspiring story in that way because uh, it just is unfathomable for those of us who haven't gone through something like you've gone through that that you could pick yourself up and and keep going. So I I commend you for that. Thank you. How how where are you, where are you at now? Where are you living these days? So I'm living in the Bay Area, uh, East Bay. Nice. And uh, yeah, it, it's, it's fairly comfortable. Unfortunately, the f- fires that are going on in Upper California. Oh man. Uh, you know, this, it's the size of LA now. That wow. Fire is four hundred and four hundred and fifty thousand acres or something like that. Four hundred thirty-seven thousand, I think. My gosh. Uh, burnt up a small city there. Mm. I think the city was less than 
don't quote me on this world. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was less less than 400. It was a small town. I said city. It was a town of maybe 400 people or something like that. Yeah, I think I saw something and about that. So they had news crews in there, and when you looked at it, only thing left were the sidewalks. Everything else was gone. Just, uh, just little 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 piles of this and that. Mm. Wow. So that smoke that smoke that's been burning for weeks now has been because we've been having an onshore breeze all along the west coast, it's been blowing as far east as New York. Okay. That's <laughs> well, why I feel a little bit lightheaded here in Indiana <laughs> lately. <I> so, <laughs> so now uh our offshore breeze or whatever it is 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 gone. So today I got up and I thought it was overcast and actually it was uh-huh. smoke. Oh man! <laughs> and then, I, then I turned on the news and just yeah, this is a bad day to breathe. Right, right, right. Yeah, I remember there was a lightning complex fire when I was in uh, Mendocino County, and and we were making like air filters, and box fans, and uh, it was yeah, it was very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. Well, uh, the the really important question I have to ask you though is, what is your favorite season of The Wire? Oh, wow. I guess when when they start talking about the corruption in City Hall. Mm. Yeah. Because you get the dealer, you get the police officer, and you get the politician. <laughs> and they're all on screen equally. Yep. <laughs> you know, like, one's a little dirty, one's mm-hmm. real dirty, <laughs> yeah. and one just denies it. <laughs> yeah no i i i i enjoyed that reference in your book because i also love the wire it's one of my favorite shows ever um so good um yeah it's hard for me to pick i like i like the one with the docs uh when they're yeah uh, yeah that's that's a yeah. good season i like season four with the kids i think that's a really good season um I, I didn't like the fifth season at all with the serial killer. I could take or leave that whole plot line, but um, <laughs> but I love I love Hamsterdam. I love uh, of the first season. Yeah, it's a great show. Um, Are you good. watching The Shy? Or did no, you watch I, The Shy? No, I've never seen The Shy. Is it good? Well, if, if you liked if you liked The Wire, I did. You'll like The Shy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the finale is this weekend, but I, I'm sure you can get it on demand. Oh yeah, I've seen if, ads for it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's 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 real interesting. I think some of the same writers. I'm not quite sure. Oh, neat. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I, I, has David Simon doesn't done anything else? I haven't seen anything else from him. Uh, television. I can't. I can't think of what it could be. So he did. Uh, what was it? Homicide. Life on the street. No, he didn't do that. Uh, what was that? No, one? no, no, no the no, corner. No, no, no. The, the corner. That. The the corner. He did the corner. <laughs> And then he did the wire. Uh, and then I oh Treme. Yeah, I watched a little bit of a. Uh, I like Treme. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Uh, it, wasn't, it, was, it wasn't like the wire level, but it was good. <laughs> right, and 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 I think what it is, I went in with I went in with a bias. Sure. I mean, how could you not? <laughs> you know, it's like, yo man, if you can't step up from the wire, I don't, I don't know if I know, I'm interested. <laughs> I've seen uh, Omar testifying in court. Where do you go from there? I mean, that's like the best. Yeah, thing. exactly. <laughs> or or he get or Omar gets killed on a, over oh, like, what oh, a kid. I know. I know. <laughs> but, but speaking of Omar, I forget his real name. Mm-hmm. He has gone. He has gone places since then. 
Yeah, he's, he's in other stuff too, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he's in um or was Oh, Lovecraft. Oh, see I didn't never see that. Is it was that Yeah, there? yeah. He he's a father in Lovecraft. Oh. It's interesting. It is really interesting because he yeah. see Omar in the character was a different mm. character altogether. Because there's nothing street about him. Everything's professional. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Omar is one of my favorite characters ever. I love him. And um, I think he still I think he still says indeed. Oh indeed. <laughs> 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 oh man. That's a great show. Um, but uh, all right. Well, last question before uh, we we go. Uh, I okay. always ask, okay. what music have you been listening to lately? Oh, oh. Uh, but I, I listened to some John Crane nice. <laughs> as Very of nice. recently, and um, some Miles Davis, mm-hmm. and I thought I had some rhythm was in there. Mm. It must have been the Ohio players or something. Nice. Very yeah. good. That'll work. <laughs> well, uh, thank you so much for for taking the time this evening. I'm glad we finally got to do this. And uh you're you're welcome to come back uh on any time and we can we can talk about whatever you want. We can talk about television more. I've got plenty more to say about <laughs> about television and movies and all that kind of stuff. But uh right on. Yeah. <laughs> very cool, <laughs> very cool. Everyone should read your book. I, I enjoyed it greatly and uh well, it's you gotta very, tell them the title. Yep. Oh yeah, well it is. Back to the World, A Life After Jonestown by our esteemed guest, Eugene Smith, as told to Ethan Casey. And uh, you should get it right now from TCU Press in Fort Worth, Texas. <laughs> right. So, uh, absolutely. Um, so so when, does this, when does this play? Uh, I'll send you a link. It can, it can go up, uh, as soon as, uh, probably tomorrow. Cause I have to go to sleep, but, uh, I'm sure my, uh, <laughs> my, my kids will wake me up at, and brighten early at the crack of dawn. So, oh, you, uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. That's late for you. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I have to, I haven't slept in seven years, so I'm, I'm all, I'm all good. <laughs> I'm, I'm very used to the, uh, night owl and the, and the early morning. So right, I don't know. Excellent, excellent. Well, it it was a pleasure to speak with you. Uh, I wish you nothing but the best, and uh, I hope to talk to you again soon, sir. Thank you. You will. Please send it to me. I'm looking for it. Absolutely. Great job. Appreciate it. You too. Take care. Bye-bye.
Join the Rob Burgess Show mailing list. Go to tinyletter.com forward slash the Rob Burgess Show and type in your email address. Then respond to the automatic message. Also, please make sure to comment, follow, like, subscribe, share, rate, and review everywhere the podcast is available, including iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Twitter, Internet Archive, TuneIn, RSS, and now Spotify. The official website for the podcast is www.therobburgessshow.com. You can find out more about me by visiting my website, www.thisburgess.com. If you have something to say, record a voice memo on your smartphone and send it to therobburgessshow at gmail.com. Include voice memo in the subject line of the email. Also, if you want to call or text the show for any reason, the number is 317-674-3547. Until next time.